Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Inside Football. I'm Matt Taylor. We're breaking it all down today. We'll talk about the big picture and the X's and O's with Rick Venturi, who's got four years, four decades, I should say, of coaching background in major college football and the National Football League. And the Colts coming into this game with the New York Giants, they continue to reel. They're now 4-10-1, losers of five in a row, eight of their last nine And with two games remaining in the season, the Colts are playing for pride and job security coming up in 2023. Rick, how goes it today heading into a new year here? Oh, you know what? I actually um, feel very, very good, you know, as the the recovery just gets better every day. Actually, I really feel like myself today. Um, We're trying to get my uh, daughter out this afternoon, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, Southwest Airlines is 4-10-1 as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Southwest is going to miss the playoffs too, I think. (laughs) Yeah, after a great couple of years, they're struggling this weekend, so we have to see how that goes, but I'm I'm really, uh, you know, I feel really good. I look forward to this trip here to New York. Yeah, Southwest looking for a new coach in the (laughs) offseason. That's for sure. Well, in all seriousness, uh, the Colts continue, as we all know, to uh, suffer bad losses here late in the season. They fell to the Chargers 20-3 to and and really didn't feel that close. I mean, it was more lopsided than that. And, you know, you're talking about an offense that – you know, couldn't muster 150 yards for the game. They were blanked on third down. Couldn't score an offensive touchdown in the game. And in fact, Rick, I mean, if you go back and look at it, um, another sobering reality is the only time the Colts got in the red zone was thanks to a defensive takeaway at the Los Angeles 20-yard line. So, what kind of fallout do you have from LA before we talk about the Giants? Yeah, and you know the the amazing thing about the National Football League, just to just a, a lesson here in balance. Because you chronicle that exactly right. I mean, you know, kind of at the end of the day and after watching the tape, you feel like, well, you know, that game really wasn't that close. But, the, you know, the irony of it is, despite all that offensive woe, I mean, with, you know, a whole fourth quarter to play, we're fourth and one on their 12 at 13 to three. I mean, you know, if if you score there, you're, you know, it's a whole different ball game. And then, you know, unfortunately, we don't make it, and you know they go 88 yards, and then it's over. I mean, yeah. then it, you know, then the sword is broken. But I mean, with all those things you're talking about, it's fourth and it wasn't even fourth and one; it was fourth and inches. Mm-hmm. But there isn't any question about it. This has been a real tough. I mean, it's been tough on everybody. I, I think it's one of the low points because you know we've had worse seasons, uh, but you know, in the old days, there were no expectations. In 2011, Peyton had gotten hurt, so the expectations were done. Uh, what's made this so bad, this stretch, is the fact the high expectations. And I do go back to Christmas, not to pour, you know, fuel on it, but you know we're 4-12 and one since then with two disappointing losses to end the season. It, you know, and we we picked right up from there. Um, you know, and we, you know, it's been kind of a dumpster fire. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, changing coaches, 
I mean, we've actually been worse. I mean, it, it's it's hard to do that. You know, you it's a fiasco in that sense. The quarterback carousel has been a fiasco, and it's just all just kind of come unraveled. You know, I I felt bad in some respects because I know I know Jim Irsay has worked so hard and you know just lobbied and labored you know, to get us these primetime games and, you know, and instead of being showcases, you know, they become like three hour embarrassments uh, for the franchise. But, you know, really we've suffered really for a while here with, I think, below average coaching and personnel uh, deficiencies. I don't think there's any, anything, any difference uh, in that respect. I think the quarterback carousel has really affected us, Um, you know, and we can, you know, we can talk about a million things. You know, you can you can talk about the offensive woes. Uh, they're so obvious that it's, it's hard for me to even talk about it. I mean, you're 32nd in scoring and, you, you know, you're, you're 31st in sacks, you know, rushing. You're only tw- you're 25th. I mean, it's 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 a trail of tears, really. And, and it's not hard to figure out why, you know, we are what we are. But all that being said, to me. Again, there's three areas of the game, okay, that come back to haunt us. And it comes back to haunt the whole team, not just the offense. But there are three areas to me that are the most important areas if you, if, if you peel the onion, if you go underneath the big picture stuff. There's three areas that will either make or break it or in some case save you, okay? First of all, red zone offense and red zone defense. Now, you know, it isn't surprising to anyone, you know, it's not surprising to anyone that our red zone offense is 31st. I mean, just we can't score. We can't push it in. But what might be a surprise to someone is many times, you know, your defense might not be good, but if it's good in the red zone, and, and this is partially why the New York Giants survived. Their de- overall numbers aren't as good as the Colts. But their red zone defense is really, really good. You know what I'm saying? It's really, really good. And we're number, you know, we're right down at the bottom on that, number 30. Then I think the second thing, and people don't talk about this for you and me, but you have to play great in the fourth quarter on both sides of the ball because we know point differential in the National Football League is what you told me this, eight, average eight points a game. Okay, so – it's every every game is a one possession game, and as bad as that game turned out, like I told you, if we get in from the eleven, <laughs> we're we're that game is like thirteen to ten, you know. So, so you have to play great in the fourth quarter, and I think that has been uh, the second worst thing in our offense and defense. You know, we in the fourth quarter we're twenty ninth in scoring. And this will just kill you. You know, our fourth quarter defense is last, absolutely last. Yeah. And it's, of course, it's built up and it's come unraveled. And it's not just the two big games that blew it up, but there's so many times where one stop, one stop in the fourth quarter, and even at 13-3, it, it, this was just, to me that fourth and one was a microchasm of our season. We missed the fourth and one. We don't get anything in the red zone. And then they go 88 yards for a touchdown. I know that we always see that big drive that either wins it or ends it, and that's been there. And then I think the hidden the the hidden killer is the giveaway takeaway. And you know, we're, it's just it's so much of a flip from 2021. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, 
you know, when you look at, you know, you look at our, you look at our giveaways now from that standpoint, last in the league, I think it's a minus 13. We were first in the league, a plus 14. And then on defense, we were first in the league a year ago and we're sitting down there at 20th. We actually have gotten a little bit better, but we're still at 20th. And you know, when you, when you look at Eberflus's defense, really, he had a lot of these bad numbers. I mean, his, his pass percentage against was awful. His fourth quarter defense was 29th. But what saved them, what masked that over the years, takeaways. Yeah. was their takeaways. You know, and I, I had a friend of mine who's a former defensive coordinator like myself, and he, you know, he used to tell me, Rick, every time you get a takeaway, you take 40 yards off that total because that's what that means. And I know you can't really do that, but you know, those those takeaways would make the difference. And then when you're giving it up and not taking it away, so. Again, if you categorize red zone, fourth quarter scoring, uh, and fourth quarter defense and giveaways, that's the reason that we're four twelve and one really over the long haul. If if one of those things was better, yeah, you know, we we'd probably have three or four more wins. We'd be more, we'd we'd still be in the hunt, I guess, is what I'm saying. Sure. And I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised that we're staying with Foles. I'll be really honest with you. I'm not going to filter it. I don't understand that. I, you know, I mean, it's it's not that he might not be able to go in and win the Giants game. Maybe he does, uh, but he's another guy that's very much a statue like Ryan. They're older. They're not the future of this club, um, and so I, I just don't quite get that. And uh, I'm really surprised that uh, that Ellinger isn't going to take these last two. I mean, I and I don't mean that just as a look. See, you know, we got some of that, and and I thought. I thought he played good against the Commanders. I mean, it's not his. He wasn't in on defense when McLaren, star, you know, scored at the buzzer to win it. I mean, we didn't stop that drive at the end. We gave up ten points in the fourth quarter. And, and honestly, to to judge him on that New England game, it wouldn't have mattered who was the quarterback. And our statues would have been even worse. And so, I would have liked to see him because I do think that he would bring, particularly against this blitzing giant defense he would bring another element the nca element as well as the ability to roll out and do things like that and plus i would really i would really at the end of 17 games from a franchise uh standpoint i would really like to know exactly what i have in that guy i'm not quite sure yet and i'm not for one second trying to say that he's Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or any of those elite guys, and perhaps he's not even your number one guy. I'm not in any way saying that. But I do know that he has some traits that Ryan Tannehill has. And what I would have liked to know after 17 weeks is, you know, not not that he's Jalen Hurts. I know that's not the case. You know, but is he Gardner Minshew? Is he Purdy? Is he Harnicky? Is he that guy that could be your solid number two when you get that franchise, you know, guy that if that franchise guy got hurt for a game, you could play him in there. And I, I'm going to be really disappointed when we end this season. We don't know that. And that's, that's just me. I'll just, I'll just say that like it is, but you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the tail of the tape. I mean, that's, that's really why, why we are what we are. No question about it. A lot there to uh, to unpack and digest the hard truth and reality of uh, the season with the Colts sitting at 4-10-1. Let's turn the page. Let's get ready for Week 17. 
Two games left for the Colts. Giants are up next. MetLife Stadium, the site on New Year's Day. And it's the final road game this season for the Colts. And the Giants, they're going to be playing, Rick, their biggest regular season game in six years. That's because on Sunday, if they beat the Colts, They'll clinch a playoff spot in the NFC for the first time since 2016. Right now, they're 8-6-1. and one. They're coming off a last-second heartbreaker to the Vikings on Christmas Eve. Minnesota kicked a 61-yard field goal as time expired. They continue to be so lucky, so fortunate in one-score games. They're 11-0, and uh, but the Giants, going back to them, they started off 6-1, and one. But since they're one four and one in their last six games and for the season, they have a negative twenty eight point differential, which is a very strange place to be for a playoff contending team. But they've been great in one score games themselves. All eight of their wins have been decided by eight points or less. They played in a league-leading 12 games this season decided by one score. They're got it by first year head man Brian Dable. He came over from the Bills as their offensive coordinator the uh, last couple of seasons. Their offense is led by non-flashy young quarterback Daniel Jones, who's smart. He's not going to make bad decisions. He's not going to turn the football over. We'll talk more about their offense and defense coming up in more detail coming up on the uh, blueprints and the musts. But what else is pertinent from your angle on the Giants on the big picture going into this game, Rick? Yeah, we talked, you and I talked a little bit about this Monday night before the game because I had already done all the tape on them. And, you know, there's a lot of cliches you could use for this 22 giant team. Uh, surprising is one. Uh, overachieving is probably the most popular. Um, and I would, you know, and I'm going to talk about what's good about that and what's bad about that. You know, I, I have to take my hat off um, to Brian Dable, their head, their head coach, Mike Kravka, uh, O.C., who is North, ex-Northwestern quarterback, and Wink Martindale, I think, I think that they have gotten more, more production, more value out of less um, than anyone in the league. I, can't, I just can't not say that. I'm really shocked. I mean, when you look at their team in total, you know, when you see they're 8-6-1 and, and they're on the cusp of a playoff berth, you really realize – how much, and I've always known this because no one has more respect for the profession than I do, that coaching really, really matters. It really, really matters. And you're right, in between the lines, you know, they're led, they have one what I call ambient player, one guy that is just a phenomenal elite player, and that's Barkley. And, you know, they know how to use him. He reminds me of JT when JT's humming, like JT last year. I mean, they – they look the same in the uniform. They run the same. They do the same things. You know, and Barkley has 1,200-plus rushes, uh, you know, and even with an, you know, not really a great team, he's 4-4 per. He's got 55 catches and 10 touchdowns, and he is really a good player who we'll get into. And you, um, you, just, you just described Jones very, very well. He's not flashy, but I'll tell you what. He is, uh, after I studied the tape, you know, I, I only watched the Giants casually till you know last week, and he is impressive to me. I he he's not flashy, but there's not much he can't do, and he takes care of the football. You know, and his numbers really are pretty doggone good when you look at the three thousand plus yards, the thirteen five split in TDs, uh, number twelve QBR on that team, and then six hundred and seventeen yards rushing which really impressed me. I didn't realize 
what a good athlete he is. And they, you know, they run plays that Jalen Hurts. Again, I'm not comparing him to Jalen, but they'll run the quarterback draw. I mean, they'll run the NCAA zone reads. You know, and when they get in the red zone, he's the extra player. And I didn't expect that, actually, Matt, when I got ready to, to break him down. So, you know, I said he's very similar. Him and Herbert are very similar. He's not quite as explosive, but he might, he might be every bit as good. You know, they've got their, their receiver core is really average. I mean, Ricky James is who most people have never heard of, is really their top guy at the slot. And he is a pretty good slot. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of speed outside, although although Slayton can run. I mean, he can get deep, uh, but they don't push it deep very much because they don't have really good protection. We'll get into that. Their offensive line blocks the run well, doesn't block the pass well at all. And on defense, Wink has done a great job of getting something out of nothing. And he he's a guy kind of old school, kind of in the school that I grew up in with Bud Carson, and I'll tell you what, he just comes to split, split your throat with pressure and defensive volume. I mean, it's just they're coming from everywhere. Uh, they're never going to repeat a defense. <laughs> they're never going to sit and hold, I mean, and, and hope. I mean, they, you know, the, and their team in many times plays much better uh, than, than their talent. Now, I'll get into what I think you have to do, but they're going to mix and match constantly. Um, you know, they've got a couple young kids, 22-year-old kids, um, Ojulari on one side and Thibodeau on the other side, who are I think they're really improving as the season goes on. You know they 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 don't have an absorbent amount of sacks, but they've got eight and a half, and I think they're getting better. And then you got Big Butt Lawrence inside. He's he's about as wide <laughs> as a greyhound. Dexter, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he but Dexter is made the Pro Bowl. He's That's right, he's a Pro Bowler. But he does you know but he doesn't jump off the tape like he doesn't. Even though there are six and a half sacks, I have to search for him. He doesn't jump off the tape, actually, to me like Grover does. But, you know, he is a threat. You know, they hang their corners out to dry with all that blitzing, and, and they are big plays waiting to happen, but you, you really got to be able to protect it. I I would say a couple things about the Giants, and then, you know, we'll get into the offense and defense. But, you know, they have they survive on a couple things. First of all, their defense, their overall numbers aren't worth a darn but they're number seven in the red zone, number five on third down. So they play good in specialized situations, you know, and then they're number 15 on sacks. And that 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 number is creeping up by the week. And then on offense, again, you know, not great, but they're number six running it with Barkley. They're number eight in the red zone. They're eighth in the fourth quarter in scoring, and the quarterback has a 12 QBR. So there's reasons that they win. And I'd have to say probably the biggest reason of the mall right there is they are eighth in the red zone on offense mm-hmm. and seventh in the red zone on defense. And that's surrounded by totals that aren't very good, I yeah. mean, really and truly. But, and they don't and turn think, the football over. That's the biggest thing, too. And they don't turn too. it over. I, and, and, you know, you, and you got a quarterback that's very quietly number 12 in the league in QBR. So, I mean, there's assets there that they've really maxed out and. The only reason I bring that red zone is, you know, I'll, I'll wear you out na- uh, with that because in my in my 27 years in that NFL, I, I always knew that was the most important stat in the game, and that's what they're pretty good at. All right, well, let's talk about the keys to the game. Let's lay out some blueprints. Let's talk about the Giants on offense. As you described, they're not going to blow you away. 
but they're getting the job done for the most part. They're only scoring about 20 points per game. Their season high on the year, in fact, is only 27 against Green Bay. They are a a below-average passing team with Daniel Jones at quarterback, but as you said, that's a little bit deceptive because he does have a mix of backup wide receivers being asked to take on more of a, a starting role, several guys, in fact, but they are elite at rushing the football. Saquon Barkley, he ranks sixth in the NFL in rushing, and then Jones, very underrated as a rusher. He has a career-high 617 rushing yards this season, Giants quarterback record. He's also this season one of only three quarterbacks with 3,000 passing yards and over 500 rushing yards. The Giants, we'll talk about their up-and-down season in terms of wide receiver. They started the year with Kenny Galladay, Wandell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, and Sterling Shepard as their primary targets. And then fast-forward 16 weeks later, Robinson and Shepard, they're sidelined by torn ACLs. Tony now plays for the Chiefs after a trade in the middle of the season. Galladay's been benched. He only has four catches in ten games on the season. Um, So now it's Darius Slayton, Richie James, and Isaiah Hodgins as the top targets for Jones inside that passing game. So what do you make of this little bit of a kind of a moving puzzle that is the Giants on offense late in the season here as they're going to – try to clinch a playoff spot coming up on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, again, and that's why I go back to my first statement. That's why I give Dable so much credit in maxing these people out and winning eight games yeah. and being on the cusp of the playoffs because that's a receiver core that if you don't have a Google, if you don't have a computer, you're not going to know who those three guys are unless you're <laughs> like you and I that are geeks in terms of well, studying. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wave my hand. I, I did need Google <laughs> last night to, uh, to to identify who these guys are and the roles that they're playing now. I know. But, you know, again, you know, they, they really they, – they, they know who they are, and so they're going to live and die. They're going to spin off of Barkley. So they're going to run it to Barkley. Uh, you know, it's not a real sophisticated running game. It's a lot of zone stuff. It, he so reminds me of JT. That's the best way I can put it there. They look the same. They're that compact runner, but they're deceptive. He's got great vision. I mean, he can take it, and he can hit a home run. The other day, you know, they're, they're, they're playing really tough against the Vikings. The Vikings bring a blitz on the 25 or 30, some right in there, and boom, they audible to a run. I mean, it's out the gate. I mean, he, not, he just didn't break the line of scrimmage. He goes, and he's very dangerous in the passing game. So, and then I think the impressive thing is what you said. I didn't really realize it was a Giants record, but I should have, is the 617 yards that Jones brings to the game. And that's not all scrambling. A lot of that is designed, but really, see, that adds the extra gap to the running game. That makes them – that really helps them become that number, number six team in the game. And what they've done is they've done a really good job of being who they are. They, they're not going to get big plays. Slayton is the one guy that runs a 4-3-8. You know, he's a guy that can get down the field. So if it's something vertical, Matt, it's going to go to him. Hodgins is the big kind of slant guy. He's a lot like Pittman. He's a possession. Um, You know, they, they try to pry open the slants on third and four to him. And the guy that really, to me, probably is the best at his position relatively is Richie James. I mean, James, is, again, he's a Google player for most people, but he, and he's a journeyman. He's been to 26 schools and 27 pro teams, but he is a guy that can play that slot. 
and he is there. He owns third down, just like we talked about Keenan Allen going in last week. Richie James owns third down, and he is really – he's a classic slot. He can run the pivots, the options, and then they'll get him in a stack and run a, swing, a, a what we call a, a switch route downfield. Um, I do like Bellinger at tight end. I think one of the best things they do is when they put their three wide receivers to the field – and then they put Bellinger split weak as the tight end with Barkley on his side and run two-man patterns. That might be their best personnel matchup back on the backside of that speed trip because particularly most people will they'll over um, they'll overbalance to that those wide receivers. And Bellinger is pretty pretty good in terms of those interior hooks, pokos, things like that. And then it, then you have Barkley on the backside by himself. If you over over pivot, now their offensive line is a pretty good run blocking team. They really really struggle on the pass. This is a team. A lot of their statistics, when you break them down, they're they're statistics that are gained when they're in the advantage. The bad statistics are stat are are the passing game and the sacks given up. Those are the that's what gets them beat. That's how they lose six, is the passing game and the protection. And so getting ahead of these guys. And right now, Neil, who is you know a high draft pick on the right tackle, he has been horrendous. He hasn't been able to block any athleticism at all on the right side. And then over there on the left side, uh, between Thomas and Bradson, they have tremendous trouble with any text game exits. Plus, in my opinion, I'll get into this in the must, I think you can bring a lot of heat from that standpoint. So, Again, really good in advantage, big-time running game, struggle on the pass. So let's talk about the must. Number one, without question, I mean, you, 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 you can be Ray Charles to see this, okay? You've got to control Barkley, okay? He can run it, he can catch it, and, and he, can t- he can hit a home run. Again, this is JT's clone, no question in my mind. So you have to protect in that, that front seven has got to win those battles on those inside zones. And then we've got to play with great discipline on the edge because he can bounce it. The other thing you have to be careful with on Barkley, if it's third and five, if it's third and five and you get into a pass rush look or a blitz look that overbalances you, Dable is very, very sharp, and they were that way at Buffalo. They will audible to a run, and that's what happened last week when they got the big run, they audible to a run against a Minnesota blitz. And it, and it was a touchdown because he's out the gate. So it all, you know, it all starts with Barkley without Barkley having a big day, they can't go. And then I think number two is you've got to control their possession receivers. It is a possession attack. They will throw more slants, just slant after slant, double slants to one side, and what I call dragon to the other. That means the number two receiver in the flat and the outside receiver in a slant. I mean, they just, you know, because they don't have great speed, they don't have great talent, and they don't have long-term protection. So there's three-step, five-step, get that ball out, you know, try to get it into Hodgins, who's big, same way with Slayton. And then on third down, again, who are we going to go to? I mean, they're going to get that ball to Richie James. So if you're going to have a specialized coverage, save it for third down and save it for James. Now, I would say in general, you want to tell your corners, you want to tell your linebackers, 
You want to really defend this team from inside out. They're going to try to pry it open. They don't do much to the outside of the field or deep, Slayton occasionally. So what you have to do is, you know, wall off those slants, wall off that inside passing game because that's how they survive. Number three, you got to defend Jones. Again, Jones is, you know, when I finished the Giants film, I knew how good Barkley was. I really came away impressed with Jones, and I know that will surprise a lot of people. I wasn't a big fan of his coming out, but I, I think they're going to end up having been right on that. Um, and you got to defend him in different areas. you got to defend him with the NCAA offense. I mean, he'll run the zone read and run it. If it's second and long, you know, he could, he'll run a quarterback draw. Um, he'll run a quarterback sweep at times. And basically where you really got to be careful, and this, you know, this is a little bit like a poor man's Jalen Hurts in terms of their design, is when they get in the red zone, that's where they love to run him. That's where they love the quarterback draw, the zone read, you know, the rollout to runner pass. You know, and then he's a very deceptive mover, and he'll scramble. He can move the chains. Uh, you know, that 617 yards rushing is for real. So, you know, keep him contained. Uh, keep him very much condensed in the pocket. Absolutely kill their offensive line. And that's my fourth must, is you got to get in advantage. This team does not play well in a disadvantage on offense. Get in the advantage and kill this offensive line. Again, Neal is the complete liability on the right side. And what did I say about the left side? They can't handle X games, Texas, exits. And to me, Matt, I would, you know, as soon as I stop Barkley on first down, if I get second and long, I'm coming after him. I'm coming after him on third down because I tell you what, you don't fear this receiver core. There's not an elite mm -hmm. guy there. You chronicle that. And their offensive line does not protect well. And, and, and sometimes if you blitz five, if nothing else, you get one-on-one -on -one everywhere, then they can't handle that. So I think it's really important to know where to rush and then not be afraid to blitz. And, of course, it all starts. It all goes back to making sure that Barkley doesn't beat you on first down. That's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football. We're breaking down the Colts and the Giants, week number 17 and the Blueprints. And we move down to the Giants now on defense, and they're guided by Don Wink Martindale. You know him very well, the former Ravens defensive coordinator. His defense, Rick, players are essentially without fixed positions. They create a <laughs> lot of opportunities. They're like chess pieces. They move all around the field freely, different spots. You know, it's very aggressive. It's kind of complex. It's tough to interpret. Um, the Giants are 20th in points allowed, 22 a game, but they're really good in situational football, third down and inside the red zone. They've got Pro Bowl defensive lineman Dexter Lawrence. He's got a team-high six-and-a-half sacks. He's got 25 quarterback hits, 63 tackles, all of those numbers career highs for him. And they're relying heavily on Kayvon Thibodeau, their rookie first-round pick out of Oregon. He's playing outside linebacker for them. Um, they also use rookie Micah McFadden out of Indiana. He's their middle linebacker. And I think they're um, counting on Adoree Jackson back in this game against the Colts. He suffered a sprained knee in late November, hasn't played since then. He's missed the last five games, but I think he's trending towards being back in this game um, for the Colts in a uh, clinching situation for them on Sunday. So when you look at the Giants, as I said, it's really all about scheme. It's all about mindset. And when you play the Giants under Martindale, Rick, you better have a plan. You better be aggressive or else he's going to make you pay. 
there's no doubt about it. I I talked to my buddy Gruden a lot about this this week because I studied the film and I was captivated by it. First, confused by it, but then the more you watch it, it the, the, you know the, the 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 reality and the and the plan does unfold to you. But man, when you first watch it, they are coming from everywhere, mm-hmm. and they're they are unconventional. Uh, they do things most teams don't do. Aggressive, to say the least. Um, I guess the best thing I can say is they are they are they are high volume and heavy heat, high volume and heavy heat. And uh, yeah, I mean this as a warning, but I mean it. If you're not prepared strategically and toughness wise, you'll be embarrassed here. You you know they and they're limited on personnel. I mean this is not a talented team. We've played a lot more talented teams on defense, but they are never going to sit and hope, and they're going to they're going to take it to you. And you said it. They they've got those two young edge rushers, um, Ojolari. Actually, on one side, it, in, in, in Thibodeau, actually Ojolari has five and a half, and Thibodeau three and a half. But they're twenty-two year old kids that are draft picks on the edge that they really you know, and they'll bring them day, you know, play in, play out. Um, again, you talked about the big boy uh, Lawrence in the middle. Like I said, he's as wide as a Greyhound bus, and you know, active when he has to be. So those those guys are are good, you know. Um, in that sense, they can come and get it. And, and in some ways, though, I think the hole is greater than the parts. You got to understand the scheme. You're going to get a little bit of everything. You're going to get the double sinks um, in their 34 base. You'll get some sinks. You're right about McFadden. He's an inside linebacker, but then he'll be an edge guy sometimes. They do lose their identity. You're exactly right. You know, and it's, uh, you know, they'll be all over the place. They play a lot of man-to-man with all that blitzing and three deep fire zones a lot because, you know, when you're bringing people, you'll do that. Uh, when they do go to coverage, it's a, it's a one free or five-man, uh, you know, rush with one Jill. Uh, some eight, which is quarter, quarter, half, and then they'll play some four, you know, and occasionally some two-man if they get well ahead in the count. But a lot of ratios, nickel, dime, quarters. I mean, you got you got to have the full flip card when you're doing this game because they are, you know, they'll use a lot of different guys. It's It's a little bit old school like the Patriots, but much more blitzing per play. And, the, and a couple things that he does more than anybody you will see in the league today, and that is zero blitz. Okay, most people will zero blitz twice a game and only when they're in the red zone. This guy will blitz you from the time we get off that bus in Newark till the time we get back on it. I mean, that's just the way they are. I mean, they and he will bring all six guys and play straight up man to man. And so you got to understand that history because you don't see much of that. But you know, I think what's really important is that we go in there as the aggressor, and I'll t- talk to this in the must, and make them pay. Don't go in there hoping that you're going to hang on and do this and that. You've got to get after them. And so here's what I think the critical issues are on the must. I think, number one, I think you've got to come out with fast tempo. I'm not always big on this because if you don't have a really good offense sometimes and you play fast, sometimes all you do is give up the ball faster, Okay. But I think in this case, fast tempo is really important. Anything you can do to get them on their heels and to set them back a little bit, attack them before they attack you. And sometimes when you're going fast and you're going no huddle and you're getting after them, 
they will actually splinter down the volume, okay? Along with that, if you want to take some of their blitzes away, if you if you took a percentage of what personnel groupings they blitz against, if you're in 22 or 21, which we don't use, but we use 12 and 13, two tight ends, three tight ends. If you look at that personnel grouping, it's it's that you can cut their blitzes almost three quarters. Okay, if you're in three wide receivers, you may get a hundred percent blitz. If you're in two tight ends, you'll probably get twenty five percent blitz. So, I think sometimes against a wink, rather than being multiple receivers, it's better to be in those heavier formations because I think it reduces them. So. Again, this isn't the overall answer, but I'm just saying quick tempo and your heavier formations, and what that does is that actually reduces some of the blitzing. All right, number two, we've got to be able to run the football, and we've got to be able to run it off tackle against him. they got those big wide bodies starting with Lawrence inside. I mean, it does. It looks like someone they get in that sink. It looks like three Greyhound buses and then two Greyhounds on the outside. Well, you want to run at the Greyhounds, okay, because it's going to be hard to move those big guys, and you got to run. And I think misdirection hurts them because guys like McFadden, those guys, those linebackers really do, uh, Smith and McFadden, they really go to the ball. So I think any kind of misdirection, and when you run to the outside, don't, just don't pitch it, bounce it, start it in, bounce it out. And I think Ellinger, even if he if he's not going to play, he's not going to be the starter, obviously, I think he'd be a good changeup. You know, I watched Houston today. Houston uses double quarterback system the whole game. I mean, it, it's 50-50. They've got two quarterbacks, so don't tell me it can't be done. And I'd, I'd like to see Ellinger in there because I think what, what he could do as a changeup, short yardage, different things, is he could freeze their defense a little bit and get on that edge. But you're going to have to get on the edge. Now, number three, you got to block what I call the cats and dogs. Now, what do I mean by cats and dogs? Well, cats are when the you get an outside pressure. It's just what we call cats over the years. That's like bringing the nickel off the edge or the safety or the weak side corner or sometimes Wink has brought both corners. So you whenever you're going to run the edge, you've got to have somebody that is accounting for somebody coming off the edge. Don't run into an open side, think you're going to get it, because somebody's going to show up. And then dogs, they come more on second down, and that, that's bringing Smith or McFadden up inside. You know, And basically what he does on early downs with these, these are nuisance dogs. They're not, they're not pass blitzes. They're there to disrupt your run and to disrupt your play action. So be very alert for those cats, because all he's trying to do is hit you and get you back into disadvantage. Okay, number four, this is where we get into meat and potatoes. He got to protect the edges. Thibodeau and Ola, you know, Ojolari are arriving. I mean, they're coming. And so, you know, be alert for those guys off the edge. Be alert to help our tackles. Our tackles struggle against good people. We know that ad nauseum, okay? And they're going to blitz you to death. So, as important as anything, and we have just struggled. I mean, every time somebody blitzes against us, when I'm watching that game from upstairs, my first thought is, here comes the sack. My second thought is, I hope it's not going to be a fumble because we do not pick it up, and this is a dangerous game. Uh, you know, And that's why getting ahead in the count and being on top of them and not letting them get into that third and ten because they are going to come. And our blitz coordination, receivers, breakouts, um, you know, every identification, 
quarterback, get rid of it. Everything has to be there. And then this is number five. This is a little bit of a critical, this is a bonus must, okay? And I've seen people do this. We've done it to him. One thing at times, what you'd like to do is you'd like to play off his strength to get big plays for your offense. Because if you get into an empty set, he's old school. We used to do this. I don't see this very much anymore. Belichick does it, but the old school guys do it. But if you get into a spread, he has a code system, okay, of which and he'll change the code during the game like we used to. And he does a lot what we used to call code red. And that means if you get into a spread, whatever defense was called, you go, you check it. We used to call it sleep, check sleep. And that checks to a zero blitz. Again, it's an audible. It's basically an audible. And he does a lot of that. Or sometimes the audible is saw, which they come off the edge. But regardless, the idea, the concept is if you spread him, he ain't going to sit there and cover. He's going to bring everybody. And he's going to play zero coverage. So the corners have zero, no help. And remember, I think the corners are the liability on the team. You know, you know, he may get the one guy back, like you said, but Moreau's going to play a lot. Flott's going to play a lot. Jackson, I've never been that high on him anyway. And McLeod, they're their liabilities, and they get strung out. But here's my point. Here's what you want to do. You want to get in spread, let him go on ahead and make that check, and then you take your tight end and your back, and they come right back in yeah. on the edge, okay? They shift right back in the edge. So what you've done is you've given the illusion of five-man protection, and you've gone to seven-man protection, and now just tear them a new one right now with your wideouts. Just go and get them. And in some respects, what you're saying, what I'm saying is get in your zero blitz. I'm going to gash you right now. So, you know, it's, it's easy to say on paper, but I, I think that's the plan. That's Rick Venturi. Those are his blueprints and the musts for the Colts to play spoiler on Sunday against the New York Giants as they're trying to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in six years. And to close out, Rick, two games to play for the Colts. We know for them heading into this game, nothing's at stake in terms of playoff implications. We know this team shortly is going to look way different. Um, it's going to be a completely different roster next spring. Major changes are coming in the offseason. It's going to start with the head coaching search as soon as the gun goes off uh, against the Houston Texans in a couple of Sundays. What would you say to this team? What would you uh, message to yep. this team to close out the season starting in Week 17 with a chance again to play spoiler in the Big Apple? Well, I don't think there's any question. I'm going to challenge their manhood. I'm, I'm going to challenge their their quality as men, their quality as football ethic. You know, we've talked about what a great locker room we've had. They've done a lot of talking about not quitting. Okay, here it is. You know, you guys got essentially essentially you have seven days left in this season to make something happen and to change some narratives. And in the end, I just say this, just suck it up, guys. Don't make one excuse. I don't want to hear one excuse from a coach. I don't want to hear it from a player. I don't even want to hear a subtle excuse. Okay, no question in my mind on that. Um, I, I think I say this, get your act together. This is the best coach team in the NFL. But that's good news and bad news because what I'm going to tell them is they're the best coach team in the NFL and what it really tells you is they're really not that good a team. They're 8-6-1, and one, but they've overachieved to get it. So the good news for the Giants is they got a good coaching staff. The bad news is they're really on the cliff. They are totally limited talent-wise. And as you said, and really after the great start, 
they really are reeling at one, four, and one in the latest run. So, you know, I, I always say this to them. Listen, no one is going to pick your butt up but you. And, and I always, you know, I do, and I believe this. I don't care if it's football, whatever it is. There comes a time in each man's life where you got to just simply draw the line in the sand. And this is that moment. You know, I mean, more than anything else, on Monday morning, you got to be able to look yourself in that mirror and say, I did this. Love it. Yeah, hard truth right there. Great message. Pretty simple. Either put up or shut up, despite the fact that, you know, you're not playing for uh, playoffs. And, you know, right now it's just all about playing for yourself, playing for job security yeah. there in 2023, my friend. Rick, as always, really, really appreciate the time and the insight breaking down the Colts. What do you got planned on New Year's Eve? you going out? you going to get nuts or what? Well, you know, I thought we'd get together and get ready for that game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it just it just hit Miss Sherry. She said to me yesterday, she said, you know, we're not going to be together on New Year's Eve. Right, no, right. You know, welcome back to the NFL. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, I, and, But you know what? What better way to spend it in New York if you're going to, you know, if you can, what is, what's that old saying? If I can do it there, I can do it anywhere. Attaboy. So, Attaboy. You know, <laughs> I mean, let's go. I let's, like that. Let's go. And, you, and honest to God, I really mean what I say is I give them a lot of credit for you know, carving out, in my opinion, an overachieving um, eight, six, and one. Yeah. But that also makes them very, very vulnerable. I mean, they're not a, you know, this this is not a team that like Philadelphia that can come in and bring their B game and win. You know, what I mean, the Giants have to do everything right. And I think the most important thing is to be ready early because I don't think they play good from disadvantage. I think, you know, and we just seldom ever do it. But if we could ever. This is a team, if we jump on, I, I, I think they will really struggle on offense. All right. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it all unfolds coming up on Sunday. Rick, get some rest. Get ready for travel on Saturday, New Year's Eve in New York, and get ready for Week 17 on Sunday on New Year's Day. As always, appreciate the time and the insight, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. I look forward to the trip, Matt. All right. Rick Venturi right there, as always. Fantastic job breaking it all down on Inside Football. That's all the time we've got today on this week's podcast. We'll have more blueprints, of course, next week. Week 18, Colts and Texans wrapping it up. That's round number two. It seems like forever ago these two teams played back in week number one. Certainly everything was different back then compared to these two teams and uh, how they're looking going into the offseason, playing each other in the regular season finale. But we'll break down the Texans part two coming up next Wednesday. And as always, we've got you locked and loaded on the Colts with uh, plenty of audio content on Colts.com and the Colts mobile app and the Colts audio network. We have the Colts official podcast, which dropped yesterday. And then coming up tomorrow on Friday, we'll have Colts happy hour with JMV. That's also going to air, of course, on the radio on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Colts and Giants, week number 17. Until then, all the Colts content you can handle right here on the Colts audio network. So long. So long.